what can we learn about ourselves and what can we learn about other people from cooperative board games? And can cooperative board games cultivate spiritual practices and habits in our hearts? On this episode of Board Game Faith, the bi-weekly podcast exploring the intersection of religion, spirituality, and board games. My name is Daniel Hilty. And my name is Kevin Taylor. And we are grateful for you tuning in today and being a part of our podcast as we explore uh, some of the spiritual benefits and lessons of of cooperative board games today. Well, and to get us started, Kevin, when we talk about cooperative board games, what exactly do we mean for maybe some of our listeners who haven't heard this term before? Board games. Um, It's such a mind-blowing experience the first time you play a cooperative board game because most people have played Monopoly and kind of competitive games that aren't cooperative games. But a cooperative game, I would define it if a game has an end state, like a goal, whatever that is, like to get the most points or be the last person on the board or to own all the hotels or whatever, a cooperative game, the goal is to defeat the board or the game itself. So it's a it's a different yes. win mechanism or win victory condition. You are playing together and often you will play with a shared objective. Like maybe you've got to achieve two goals or you've got to eradicate the zombies on the board or whatever it is. But you're playing against the board, you're playing together and you will share information And sometimes resources. You might be able to give each other a card or some money. And that shared objective, that coordination, those resources create a very different gaming experience. What do you, how would you define or what would you add to that? No, I I love that idea of, that you lifted up of, of playing against the board, right? That you're, you're not, you're not trying to defeat another person um, in the game, but you're trying to, uh, to defeat some, um, some, some pre-designed um, set of objectives or goals or challenges that, that are built into the rules. And I no, I, th- I think you, you summarized that very well. And, and Kevin, I know you, you are, I think, I'm a big fan of cooperative games, but you are an aficionado of board games or whatever, the, of, of cooperative games or whatever that, that fancy word is. You know, I, at least I know they seem to be a little bit more explored more into them yeah yeah so i i i think that's a great uh, a great definition um in and some ways we, it's almost like go ahead no no you go ahead well you know like maybe some of our listeners are familiar with maybe dungeons and dragons or even if you haven't played mm-hmm. it you you've you mm-hmm. you know of dungeons and dragons and and you know how that's structured is that there is this dungeon master, right? Who's kind of controlling the game or at least narrating the game. And, and cooperative games are, are sort of like that, but the, the role of the dungeon master is kind of written into the rules itself. Like uh-huh. it's, it's not requiring another person to be set aside to keep the game running, um, yes. but they're written into the rules of the game um, itself. Yes. Yeah. That's a great point that some people misunderstand Dungeons and Dragons at first and think they're playing against the game master or dungeon master and the dungeon master is playing against the other people, but no, they're creating a shared story and experience together. Yeah. So it, it's hard to be a dungeon master because you want to make it interesting and risky, but you don't want to just wipe out your players, but you don't want to make it seem too easy and no one can actually, you know, no characters can die because then it's not as interesting if there's no risk. So they really have to tune it very well and occasionally, um, you know, waffle on the rules a bit to keep a team potentially to keep a team from just getting wiped out. Uh, Now, some games try to deal with this because they have an app driven system. So the Mm -hmm. app Mm -hmm. determines things. And so you're kind of playing against an uh, app such as chat GI, chat AI, GPT. Chat. Chat. Chat GP, Chad, G- Chad GPT. I, I, that is an amazing website. I'm, I'm, it is. It half is. of what I'm saying right now is generated by chat GPT. Right. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm becoming cyborg. So what, uh, Kevin, what are, 
um, kind of sidebar, but um, for those games that maybe are more app driven uh, for to create a, a cooperative game, um, and this would be like, you know, there, you have an app on your phone or on your computer that kind of mm-hmm. plays the role of keeping the game going. Do you have any feelings about that? I know sometimes that's debated in the board game hobby community about ah, it's okay to have apps or no. I, do you have any? Strong feelings either way. Yeah, about some people are purists and, and they don't want any electronics at the table. I'm fine with it. I just I find it often does get in the way because your phone has gone to sleep or somebody is, um, you know, you're someone's having to consult and look at the phone often. Even if you have a tablet, you're having to turn it in different ways. Right, so right. I dislike how it interrupts the natural flow that that. With the board game, you normally are looking at the board and your cards, and you can kind of focus on what you want but if there is an app on someone's phone you're having to say hey Frank I need you to check the stat on this and Frank's trying to take his turn right right yeah. and he maybe has to pass it and then someone else wants to look at it so it's a bit of a hot potato yeah. that maybe that's what I dislike but I, I don't mind sometimes it solves the issue of of um, everyone wanting to play and not wanting to have to be the bad guy. There was a game called Descent, and I think it had both versions. Either you could play as the all the villains or you could use an app to play the villains. Mm. So they were trying to deal with that issue. Uh, we have the original cop. We played it some. I never quite got into it, but it was famous at it, in its day. I could see the value in apps, yeah, in, in that... Right, you you are um, not needing to set someone aside and, and mm-hmm. to to keep the game running, and therefore everyone can have kind of the experience of playing and having fun. Um, well, and speaking of cooperative games, you had made an interesting point um, on our show notes, Kevin. Before getting into this, you said you know a lot of people are familiar with games as being competitive, like like Monopoly. You listed an example, but you said something interesting about the history of Monopoly and cooperative games. Do you mind just yeah, I delving into that a little bit? Pull this off of actually good old Wikipedia, the comment that when the predecessor to Monopoly, the Landlord's Game, was patented in 1903, there were actually two rule sets to the game. The original is what we think was Monopoly, where you were competing and trying to win, but then you would play the second rule set where you learned to cooperate and play against capitalism. So that was the goal of the Landlord's Game, the second rule set. So Elizabeth, is it Maggie? It looks like... Well, it I looks think, like Maggie, but I think it's pronounced in an odd way. Okay, okay. okay. Maggie or something? Anyway, Elizabeth M. Yes. I may be wrong on that, but it's some something, some memory file in my, my what I call my brain, but you could call my uh, chat GPT skull interface. I, uh, that's right. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer to it that way. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. so there's something rattling there about her name, but she not only created Monopoly, but also kind of created a very early cooperative version. And, and to so have one board with two rule sets is really cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Very innovative. And she invented, she was really an inventor, invented a bunch of other stuff too. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Huh. I think somebody is trying to write a biography of her life, but she sounds quite, uh, quite, quite a, quite a person. Oh, I'd love to with, read. Uh, I'd love to. political and economic interests, and then a, a uh, inventor as well. Right. Very, I think of physical objects and of games, so yeah. just kind of a creative I, sort. I think someone for whom issues of spirituality were important as well. I think she's, she's a, a Quaker, I believe a Quaker Christian. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. And so, so faith was also wrapped up in, in all of this for her. So it's so interesting. I wonder, we might get into this a little bit later on, but I wonder what it says that the competitive rules are the rules that um, someone else latched onto and made a fortune off of. And the cooperative rules slowly disappeared and were forgotten over time. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know what that says, but we might we might touch on that yeah. later on. So, speaking of which, you ready to get into some some lessons yes, that we can learn Daniel. from cooperative games? I want you to learn or, something from cooperative games, Daniel. Good. I teach me, oh, right. cooperative game 
master. Hum. Hum. So the first thing I would comment on, one of the essential bits of cooperative games is sometimes you are going to have to take one for the team. And by that, I mean you're Mm. going to do something that may not be fun or may actually hurt you, or you may actually be eliminated from the game, but Mm. it helps the team win. Mm. Mm. That sometimes with this, because your goal is to win as a team and you may need someone to, to be in Dungeon Crawlers, the tank who takes a lot of hits and lets the others succeed on the mission. And, um, or in pandemic, maybe you're having to enable someone else to cure the disease, even though you're not going to do anything very exciting on your turn besides just move around and give someone a card. But that may, they're the only one that can find the cure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you have to sometimes step out of the, step out of the spotlight or, uh, uh, or adopt the, um, the less shiny Mm-hmm. Role, or maybe even the, or even maybe in a way lose, sacrifice something. Yes, for the the benefit of the of the larger group. Is that yeah, what you're saying? Gloomhaven. Um, interestingly, when you lose all your health, you don't you don't technically die unless I think there is a alternate rule where you do die. You can accept that, but instead you're exhausted. But mm. if the team can fulfill their mission within the parameters, everybody wins the scenario anyway. So mm. one strategy is to go ahead, take one for the team, get exhausted and knocked out, but then you defeat the scenario and move on. That is, that's a great lesson. That is a great lesson. Yeah, it does. and it's weirdly re- the reverse of an alpha gamer who is someone who is always trying to tell people what to do or take the path of glory. Yeah. Instead yeah. here, it's more of a humble, you know, well, I'll be the one to take this card to... Jakarta and yeah. pandemic and <laughs> cure the disease there. It does speak to something along the lines of sacrifice um, on, on some level. Mm-hmm. It reminds me, I forget which Batman movie it was. It's the only, I haven't seen many Batman movies, but many years ago I had a friend who said, Oh, you got to see this Batman movie. It's really theological. And I said, oh, okay. And I, I, I saw it and I, I, uh, and I do forget which one it was. I think it was one of the ones where, um, who are the bad guys? I, I think it was the Heath Ledger as Joker right. one. Um, but and I never got to talk to my friend about it afterwards. But I, but I, I, I think what he was saying was it, it, the movie ended with a strong point that Batman um, came to this point of realizing that he had he kind he had to be the bad guy in the eyes mm-hmm. of That's the right. city mm-hmm. in order to. Um, for the for the greater good, and I know Kevin, you and I have kind of talked offline about that as well. Sometimes that sometimes life kind of puts us in places where we kind of have to be. It feels like we kind of have to be the bad guy mm-hmm. <laughs> in the eyes of the world uh, for some greater good or whatever. And that's 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 hard. Mm-hmm. I imagine some of our listeners maybe have wrestled with things like that as well, and not yeah, necessarily bad guy in like love or, yeah. yeah. And that doesn't mean like actively creating suffering in the world for the sake of creating suffering in the world, but it means doing things that maybe the long term will help to address suffering and reduce suffering. But it also Mm -hmm. means that you're not going to look very good for a while, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. Or in relationships, maybe you have to be the first one to say you're sorry or to try to repair things that uh, you you may still feel like it wasn't your fault or you were right in the argument, et cetera, et cetera. You're still offended, but you still have to take that first step. You're willing to kind of be humble and step out. And um, yes, there's, there's an important lesson there that, that sacrifice can be the way of the hero type thing. Yeah. Yeah. Or that just being boring, like, I'm just going to be the guy that moves around and helps everyone else. So in basketball, they count the assists, right? Um, So whoever has the most assists, so you're not scoring, but you're helping others score. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I think that's right. Yeah. And I think basketball is the one where there's a diamond shape and you run around and you touch bases and whoever has the lowest score wins. I think but that's I right. Wrong on that. That's right. And as you're going from base to base, though, you have to make sure that you miss the puck, as um, <laughs> and the person who's sweeping in front of the puck as well. Correct. There is a sweeper. Uh, that's right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I think that's. I think we have yes. it nailed. 
Nailed. But the nice thing of the sweeper is no one has to clean up the stadium at the end of the game because no, the right. stadium's clean. It's already that's right. Slotted. You say just yeah. just yeah. sweep away, and then they get bonus points for it. They for do sweeping. For love sweeping. in Canada. They love it's, them some it's great. basketball. It's great sweepers. Yeah. I had a question. Yeah, about, how much you? Well, yeah, ahead. yeah. Uh, what well, yeah. Some, we, what, what what's a lesson? Oh, you're going to yeah, play. Yeah, yeah. Well. Um, you know, I think that first one was great. Thank you. That sometimes you have to take one for the team. Uh, another kind of spiritual lesson from cooperative games that occurs to me is just the, the importance of the diversity of gifts, mm-hmm. um, the importance of diversity of gifts that in a lot of cooperative games, um, you are assigned a different role. And this relates, you know, somewhat to what you're saying too, Kevin, that, um, in other words, like not everybody has the same role in a game. And, and this is part of the mechanism of the game. It's part of the rules of the game. Often there are like role cards, uh, R-O-L-E cards, um, that, that kind of get randomly distributed. And this card says, oh, you're the medic. And this one says, oh, you're the communications expert. And oh, this one says, you are the jello maker, you know, and, and things like that. And it goes around mm-hmm. and, and, and based on what role you have, you have certain enhanced abilities, right? So medics can heal disease easier and communication person can, you know, facilitate movement better or something like that. And, um, and, 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 and that diversity of gifts, um, when we lean into it, helps us to succeed cooperatively mm-hmm. better, In right? And I, I, yeah. I'm going to raise you one on that one, Daniel. Yeah. I think often in these games, you have to lean into your gifts to win. Yes. Oh, because that's so good. part of my goal, yeah, and this actually is a whole, we can almost make this a, a, you know, a, a third spiritual lesson, but, but you really, you know, part of my goal is to help the medic be as successful as possible. Yeah, yeah. Because it's inefficient for me to heal. So how do I help the medic? This other player and I might be the and we're we're referencing the game pandemic, but, right? Um, right. But the, there's a transporter or something. I, for operations, I, I forget the term. Operations specialist, but they can move people around the board. So a, a strong way of playing in pandemic is to have those t- two people as players because you can have different roles, as you're saying, and the operation expert and the the medic are just tag teaming off of moving the medic around because they can heal. Yeah. Yeah. So, so your goal is to help the other person. You want to be as efficient as possible. So you want everyone to use their gifts as well as they can. Hmm. That's so good. Yeah, it is good. That is part. Yeah. Good job. That, that, that's a part of, um, I mean, I appreciated your insight. That was, I think well, that inspired that's, me. That's, it wasn't really me. You kind of said it. I just, well, but you it. took it, you took it to like an 11, man. I had it at an eight and you, no, I had like a four and you had took it to 11. It was great. Um, I, you're deaf in Chad GPT. You're like the 2.0 and I'm like the 1.5 edition. So I, I'm, oh, I'm like, I'm like 0.5. You ask me a question and I always return the answer corn. That's what I'll just say. Just say, just say. Corn. <laughs> Chat GBT, summarize. Chat GBT, corn. summarize the plot of Withering Heights for me. Corn, corn. Um, no, but I can you put I, that in Spanish, maize? <laughs> you, I don't um, know if that is Spanish. That was the Native American phrase. Yeah, that no, Spanish all good. But you know, and I, I think what you touched on there, Kevin, really is part of the one of the lifelong great spiritual journeys for all of us. You know, learning to lean into our gifts, which also necessitates learning what is our gift and what is, and what are not mm-hmm. and what our gifts are not. You know, yeah. um, I'm going to be um, quoting, talking a little bit later on in one of our other points about um, this Quaker uh, writer that I that I love, Quaker Christian named Parker Palmer. Um, and um, I, I wasn't thinking of talking about him on this point, but so I don't have it in front of me. But he, he also makes this point that, you know, he, he said for much of his life, he tried he tried to be someone that he wasn't right. You know, like right, he tried right. to, he said like, I want to be the next Martin Luther King jr. I want to be the next mother Teresa or the next Dorothy day, or, you know, or these giant spiritual religious figures, at least in the Christian tradition. And, um, and he said, he realized that the more he tried that, the more it was just, um, it, it he was just failing and creating suffering in himself and others, you know, that, mm-hmm. that he, because he wasn't leaning into his own gifts, he was trying to copy the gifts of other people. And then that, and that it was when he finally was honest about what his own gifts are, 
and how he could build on those that he really felt like he I didn't know that story. Yeah, that became, is powerful. Yeah, to illustrate that, he he talks about this this ancient uh, Jewish story. Um, uh, you you may have heard some before, but where um, a rabbi, I think it's Zuzia, I forget his name for sure, but uh, a rabbi was um, his his disciples come into a room and they find his rabbi, their their teacher, their rabbi weeping, and they say, Rabbi, why are you weeping? Um, because he was close to death and, and, uh, you know, and they said, are you weeping because you're, you know, you're afraid that when, after you die, the Lord will ask you, you know, why weren't you more like Abraham and Moses? And he says, no, I'm afraid that the Lord's going to ask me, why was I not more like myself? You know? Ooh, um, I know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a good one. So anyway, but so anyway, leading into gifts. Yeah. I love that. And it means recognizing that we, all of us move closer to success, fruitfulness, whatever that means, a, a better world when we um, recognize the importance of a variety of gifts, recognize that other people's gifts are different from our own. And that means, mm. that, and, that, and that's a good thing. We also see this a lot. We both come from the Christian tradition in, in Christian scripture, places like First Corinthians 12 and Romans 12 talks about, you know, there's a variety of gifts, but one body, you know, and we use these gifts differently to, to build each other up. So... Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. right. And um, yeah, we, we we don't need to be a jack of all trades, master of none, whether it's yeah. life skills or spiritual abilities or just interests. Like you do, let, let someone else do that if that's not your thing. There's no yeah. reason to be somebody else. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't, we can't, none of us can be God or, mm-hmm. or yeah. Or, it's not in our or, job description. No, no. So that's that's a, that's a, another spiritual lesson, Kevin. How about you? What's what's another spiritual lesson from cooperative yeah, games? Yeah, the third one I'd offer up here is that cooperative games are really good at involving people in a low stress way. Because some people are not; they don't want to play, or they mm. they get. Which I mean, if someone doesn't play, doesn't want to play, it's fine. But maybe they don't want to play a competitive game, or they don't understand the game, or you know they're. There's various barriers to playing a game, a cooperative game. You can kind of say, look, here's your role and we're going to work together and we'll, we'll suggest things that you can do. Yeah. And it's your choice. Always in these cooperative games, if it's somebody's turn, they get the final say. But look, you're not in this alone. You don't have to sit there and feel like, oh, I've only got half the points that Daniel's got. Right. So right, instead, right. we all play together and we all win together. And that's a very inviting I guess that's one thing I've been become I've been more aware of is is ways that invite people, whether it's cooperative like this or whether it's kind of a dice luck push your luck type thing mm, that it just mm. creates a low barrier versus a heavy euro game creates a high barrier because you can really feel dumb in a in a high stakes euro game where. One mistake or two really knocks you out of the game. So I appreciate games that are a bit more inviting that are rooted in luck or cooperative. I love that. That's so good. And I, I've never really thought about that before, but you're right. The, the, the cooperative games are much more inviting and welcoming. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, you, you you say it so well, and that's... That's, I know I've had that experience before, and you, I'm sure you probably have too. You know where you're, yeah, inviting someone to take part in a, in a in a group in a board game group or whatever board game might in, and and for a lot of people for whatever reason they've had some experience in life where they'll say something like what you said, like oh you know I'm no good at games or oh I feel I I, I feel like I'm not smart when I play games or you know and makes and 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 to say. Oh, this is a cooperative game, right? You know, no one's out to beat each other at all, but we're all working together toward this mm-hmm. this goal. That's that is mm-hmm. so um, encouraging for can be for folks, you know, and and, and welcoming to the game. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder, I wonder what ways that can be applied to other areas of life too. I, I'm just I'm, I, we're we're going off script here, and I and I don't have any answers to it either. I just. I don't have any answers to it. I'm just thinking about it. I, I wonder ways of applying that in other areas of life. But yeah, I mean, one thing is just vocabulary. It's just so easy to mm. use the 
lingo of a of a world that newcomers aren't going to get. So as Methodists, yeah. we have yeah. certain language because all organizations do. And Daniel and I are both United Methodists. So we talk about apportionments and we talk about book of discipline. And so many, even lifelong Methodists don't really, they've never seen a book of discipline. They don't right. know what that means. So what is this? What is... Potluck dinners. Yeah. Potluck dinners. Yep. Yeah. What is this thing? What, do I just put dice in a pot and bring it? Like, what is this potluck? Uh, what are the expectations here? Uh, what does this mean in, in sixth grade English? Just yeah. just give it yeah. to me straight. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I find I love that. those little hints. So there's not, because ha- a lot of time, if it's an esoteric word, half the people are actually thinking, I don't know what this means. Yeah, exactly. But most people exactly. are so scared of shame. They don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to be ashamed. Right. We're right. all seven-year-olds in a second grade class worried the teacher's going to call on us. We all have that primal fear. Yep. yep. And um, yeah, it's really yep. hard to to be willing to play a game and just get negative points. Yeah. <laughs> um, and smile afterwards. It's just Yeah, right, right, yeah. So vocabulary bypasses that. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great... Example, yeah. Mm. Thank you. I, I, I think religion in general, in my experience, at least my observation or my my two cents or whatever, can sometimes or maybe even frequently, I don't know, kind of create challenges for itself because of that reason. You're right. I mean, um, mm-hmm. um, th- that we use a specialized vocabulary. And I think about even like like broader terms. It makes me think about in some of our listeners might disagree and that's totally fine and you might disagree too i think about you know there sometimes in the christian tradition the broader christian tradition where we come from you know we'll, we'll say things about you know we'll use certain vocabulary like well jesus is lord right or jesus is savior or whatever and when else do we really use the words lord and savior in any other place in life you know and it's it's right. those are those are in some ways even those two are kind of specialized words that we've inherited from a past era and and I struggle with sometimes, you know, how do we find ways of talking about that in in, in recognizing, yeah, these specialized terms that really are not part of vocabulary in any other place in life anymore, and make it intelligible. I never to people. thought of that. You're you're right. Like the word Lord is a whole. We just don't like, have a frame. Like Downton Abbey is the only. Time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Um, yeah. I guess yeah. like a judge or something. Like we have a sense of certain people have a role, and the judge walks in, and everybody stands up or something. But we yeah. don't typically in American. I mean, there's still upper class and lower class and all sorts of things, but we don't use the language and vocabulary. We don't have categories of of a lord and what that means. So yeah, that is a shows how much the world has changed and. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and it doesn't mean we change our language, but we explain it, or we we couch it, or we right, right, yeah. become just aware that that it 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 may not necessarily be as accessible as we think it might be to mm-hmm. folks outside whatever our tradition is. Yeah, right. And even for Christians, if you if someone yeah. says Jesus is Lord, uh, well, what does that mean for you? Like, does right, it mean right. you? you're a Catholic and you participate in the sacraments of the church? Does it mean that you've had a, a, a conversion experience if you're an evangelical? Like that that phrase right. has come to, it can mean many things. So we kind of have to have a, well, what do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, good. Well, what, cool. um, yeah, what, what well, is, give me number four. No, well, no, no, before number four. Yes. Before number four, is it, is it, is it, is it mailbag time? It's mailbag time. It's mailbag time. <laughs> Woo! Okay, mailbag time. We are opening up our listener mailbag. Uh, we haven't done this in a little while, and we just wanted to pause before our final two spiritual lessons for Corporate Games just to, to recognize and say thanks to some of our awesome listeners. Uh, we have just amazing listeners and uh, that we love hearing from you. We just want to say thank you so much. First is we have, we had a listener highlight Uh, on our newsletter. uh, We have a spot where you can tell us a little bit about yourself and, um, and and we ask if we can highlight you on air. And so today we're highlighting one of our newsletter subscribers, uh, Jim. Jim is from Pennsylvania. He's a software engineer. Um, And um, one of the things we ask people, we say, what are you awesome at? 
in, in, in our Get to Know You survey. And he says he's awesome at finding problems or loopholes and processes. And then he adds, which isn't something that my wife always <laughs> enjoys me pointing out. <laughs> um, and um, So some talents are good at work. Some are good at home, but you also have to keep quiet a little. I hear that's you. Tr- uh, that's that's diversity awesome. of gifts in diversity of places. Maybe yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I understand that too. Um, uh, Jim says he listens to board game faith because um, because of the gaming from a Christian perspective, but also along with views from other religions as well. Good, Jim. Um, we've wanted that to be that's something we've really wanted to be a mainstay. So I'm glad you're connecting yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That really means a lot. And then lastly, we asked what game. Um, oh, this makes me so into. mad, Daniel. I know. I and and totally Jim says, rob. Jim, I need your address. Jim, I know. Jim, Jim says Jim. he's really into heat pedal to the metal right now, which he says I is a good fit because awesome. he's become a huge Formula One fan. Yes. Yeah, so, Kevin, I keep hearing about this game, but I've never played it. I've never seen it. Uh, do you know I anything about either. this game? I don't know how you get a copy unless there's a certain, because I think I even looked online and it's just sold out, but it is getting rave reviews i've never had a racing game like that like there's downforce or something that some people have i've yeah. never played that one we either. have downforce and we uh-huh. and we love it but looking at pictures I, I heat looks a lot to me like downforce but i never hear any comparison between the two so i assume it's got to be a very different kind of game it it, it looks really good downforce yeah, is great totally if i see yeah. that that's sort of one of my list of things to to you know my want to buy if I ever find it list yeah. so, uh, versus my wood steel from Daniel list. So it's different. Li- There's some crossover, but I'm, I'm, but I'm honored. Yeah, I really want like, heat pedals and metal. It also, it looks fun and interesting and somewhat light in a good way, like yeah. not a heavy crunchy game, but then there's a really neat uh, legacy type thing where you play through certain scenarios and cards change. So it's got oh. several layers to the game. That sounds awesome. That's a days of wonder game, a game too, like right? That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So totally Jim, optional to do that. Yeah. I, 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 so Jim, first of all, if you have any tips on where we can find heat, pedal for the metal, please, mm-hmm. please email us and let us know. We'd love to find out. And secondly, yeah, just thank you so much for listening and for letting us share some information about you. We really appreciate you being out there. We appreciate all of you who are listening and who are subscribers to our newsletter and part of the board game faith family. You all are, are awesome. And we love, we love highlighting you. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of others, uh, we've gotten some feedback on some episodes and I just wanted to share that as well. Um, back in episode 21, we had an episode on how to start a board game group at church or at a place of worship, a temple or a synagogue or a, or a, a mosque or Islamic center. And, um, and Camping Meeple had a response. And by the way, Camping Meeple has a fantastic account on Instagram. If you ever want to follow a really great account, mm-hmm. check out Camping Meeple. And, um, Do you know there's two things that Camping Meeple likes? Can you guess oh, what those two things are, Daniel? Um, is one of them corn? That's the third one. But the okay, first okay. two, before okay. corn and yes. ChatGPT AI brain services are camping and board games how awesome is that that makes sense that's much a better answer than corn i like it yeah good um and so so this is what you know in in that episode i had talked about how i found from my experiences with church board game groups i really kind of need to keep the games light and accessible Mm -hmm. just because most people aren't into hobby board games but this is what camping meeple said um they said, we're trying to keep a board game day happening more often at our church. But it was uh, interesting listening to your last episode because it's generally hobby people, hobby board gamers that come uh, to their church, to their board game group. And and says, Which you know, I would think you, is kind of unusual. I don't know, but I would yeah, think that's yeah. an unusual and a very cool setting. Yeah, I think and it's like, it just speaks to the point of, of course, everything being contextual. And, and it's mm-hmm. a great point. You know, if you've got a lot of board gamers in your community in your in your house of worship go for it uh, mm-hmm. but but then camping people did go on to say um but they agreed that generally the games need to be accessible and as an example last time they brought their 10 year old to board game night and mm-hmm. and uh, having more accessible games helped with that so camping people thank you so much for um for that feedback that's awesome and then and then the last feedback was from another wonderful instagram account re-engineer the game re-engineer the game is another really um delightful wonderful instagram account i i encourage you to to check it out as well i don't know whether they're into corn or camping or board games either but i know they're into board games and um 
And, and in response to the question for this episode, what can we learn from cooperative games? Reengineer the game said, humility is the first one that comes to mind. You can be humbled in cooperative games by being outplayed, but in cooperative games, you can choose humility over being an alpha player or simply get beat by the game. And Kevin, I really think that ties in well with what you were saying earlier about yeah, taking one for the team. Yeah, I think he was thinking, he stole my thunder there, yeah. Um, yeah, so, and what? he's got a nice inversion there that you can be humbled in a competitive game. But in a cooperative game, you may need to be humbled by choice that you can win by choosing to be humble and yeah. helping others win as a team. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that's a yeah. really nice way to put it. Well, re-engineer the game and Camping Meeple. Thank you so much for the feedback and thanks for letting us hear from you all. And we, we yeah. really appreciate you both and your um, all the great content you all are putting out for the board game community. So. And if you have any thoughts, you, dear listener, on such things, we would love to hear from you as well. That's right. Uh, Infoboardgamefaith.com. So, Just let us know. We'll sign yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Shoot us an email. Number four. Number Daniel. four. All right. Um, What's important? The important, another spiritual lesson from cooperative games is the importance of trusting other people's choices. Ooh, that's hard. That's it hard. is really hard. I know, I know. Um, I, because, you know, when you're in a cooperative game, you can be like, oh, oh I, right. I don't think what this person is doing is a good idea. And, oh, you know, and, and, and there's I this tension. Your choice, but we are going to lose. <laughs> right, right, right. And there's this tension between so do you step in and correct the person, in your, in your mind, correct the person, or... Do you make the choice to let the person make the person make allow the person to make their own decision, and and find that decision to allow them to make their own choice have find that that has more inherent value and worth than trying to do what you think needs to be done to win the game, and and you know is there more damage that you can do in the grand scheme of things mm-hmm. by stepping in than by um, trying to kind of make the decision for them. And it does remind me, this is where I was going to talk about Parker Palmer, uh, this Quaker Christian theologian whom I just really, I really recommend Parker Palmer to folks. And there's this, uh, this part, this section of his book, Hidden Wholeness, that was really important to me when I read it. It reminds me a lot of this idea of trusting other people to make their own choices. And um, I thought if you don't mind, Kevin, I could maybe I'll just share it here is yeah, that go for, for, our, for our listeners and for you. All right. Um, thanks. So, so, Um, So here's what Parker Palmer writes. We need to understand why the soul so rarely shows up in everyday life. The poet Robert Bly offers one explanation. It is our powerful ego drive to pull everything into ourselves and to let nothing live for itself. This idea of we we kind of, Hmm. we, we, we let this almost a mindset that we let everything live for us, you know, but instead of letting everything else live for itself. Behind that drive, Parker Palmer goes on to say, is our disbelief in the reality and power of the inner teacher. The inner teacher is kind of the Quaker word for Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit being in you, teaching you. And, and this is a hallmark of Quaker theology, this belief that, that the Holy Spirit is within each person. And, and so there's this source of wisdom and guidance within each person that's far greater than, than whatever we can project on them. Convinced that people lack inner guidance, this is Parker Palmer, convinced that people lack inner guidance and wishing to, quote, help them, we feel obliged to tell others what we think they need to know and how we think they ought to live. And we might add how how we think maybe they ought to play on the board game. And then he concludes by saying countless disasters originate here between parents and children, teachers and students, supervisors and employees originate, that is, in presumptuous advice giving that leaves the other feeling diminished and disrespected. Right. Wow. Yeah. That was a power that, that was, that was a really, I I don't live up to it, but that's been a transformative or an important Mm -hmm. passage in my life, especially about the parents and children part. Mm -hmm. Um, But it applies to cooperative games too. But I've thought about that so much in my relationship with my kids, you know, that um, in the long term, what's greater value here? Uh, is will I be doing more harm if I don't step in, or will I be doing more, more harm in showing that I don't trust their decisions? You know, right? Freedom to fail in yeah. safe ways, yeah. Um, yeah. so hard and never an easy answer. And everyone's going to mess up, whether it's mm-hmm. in 
any relationship. But yeah, really allowing that space and that integrity and that autonomy that someone can make choices and um, and not feeling like you need to say, I told you so, or um, right. should have listened right. to me. Unsolicited advice, nobody wants that in general. Yeah. So um, yeah, trusting other people's choices is really tough, especially when it's something that... Um, you, you may know more about, like you may actually be right and you just have to hold your tongue. And that's yeah. really tricky. It's, it sounds like this is a tension. You have felt in cooperative games as, as well. I, I yeah, absolutely. Have. yeah. In fact, yeah. if you have played cooperative games and you've never felt it, they're either always new games and, and you weren't experienced with it or God bless you, you may be an alpha gamer. And that is a term to mean I take it as like an alpha dog, somebody that always wants to combat or be in charge or tell others what to do. You want to be leader of the pack. If you don't know what it's like to have to hold your tongue and watch mistakes happen, you probably shouldn't be playing cooperative games because you're probably that guy. You're probably the alpha gamer that's driving everyone crazy because you're, you know, telling everybody what to do. And in the words of Z Garcia from the Dice Tower, you should probably get some dice and just go roll them in the corner by yourself and be like, I won, I lost, I won, I lost, right? Because right, uh, right, the cooperative right. game is about respecting other people's choices. Now you can advise yeah, and yeah. you can try to convince, but you've also got to empower and step back and, yeah. you know. This is what they chose to do. We got to do it. This that's that's so right. I, this is not the perfect solution, and I fail at it frequently. But sometimes, if I think about it, what I try to do is maybe at the beginning of a of a of a new game for someone, if they're just learning it, to say like, "Now, are you the kind of person that would like some some advice or thoughts on strategy, or, or do right, you just kind of want right. to figure it out yourself?" And 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 if I often be more kind of honest about that, you know, they'll say, oh, no, sure, I just like to figure it out myself or, um, would you yeah. like an assist? Would you not? Or just ask me if you have any questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then also yeah. saying, you know, if we lose, we just play it again. Like it's yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's the beautiful thing. It's just a game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Number five. Yes. Um, the Number five spiritual lesson from the cooperative fifth and, games. The fifth and final Hilti spiritual lesson lesson featuring chatbot GPT five point two dot beta C. Corn. <laughs> chatbot for the win again. <laughs> um, no, I have to admit this is the least developed one, but I think it gets at something that's important, at least for me and I. Maybe for our listeners, I hope. Oh, so. I think this is the most important um, one, though, Daniel. Well, Not but it, thank you. Well, but well, but it. I can't quite sort out my feelings on it, but I but I want to I want to name it. I don't want to ignore it, which is that okay. individual achievement feels different from communal achievement. Yes, individual uh, winning individually feels different from winning communally, and 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 I'm trying to be really honest and 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 open to kind of what I feel like what my feelings are here about this. Um, I th if I'm really being honest with myself, there's a certain rush that I get from winning an, a competitive game mm -hmm. that I don't get in quite the same way no. when I win a it's cooperative different. game. And, and I think I, I don't quite know what to do with that, except just maybe at, the, for, at least the first step, just to be honest about that, you know, just, just to name that, that there's, and yet, you know, and yet, um, I would say the cooperative games have a much greater and more positive impact on the lives yes. of others and the I'm community. Yeah. When I, and I think about, I was trying to apply this to kind of like my, my, like my work, you know, outside mm -hmm. of games. And, you know, I can think about times, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe a few times, maybe not many, where maybe something might be qualified as like an individual win where I've just done something versus a corporate win, like the whole team or the whole group. And, you know, the individual wins always fade pretty fast, but, but the corporate wins are the things that last yeah. and that have the biggest impact and that really are the most beautiful in the long run. No, I Your think thoughts that, on this, Kevin? No, yeah. I'm totally, I actually, I totally 100% agree that, uh, and I can 
back that up a bit, you know, Aristotle, the great Greek philosophers, mm. pointed out we are social creatures. He said political animals, but by that he meant we just live in cities, that, that we are herd mm. creatures. Now, there are some exceptions, people that want to, that really can live as hermits by themselves. But in general, we are social creatures, and the pandemic reminded us of that when we were all stuck inside, uh, and, yeah. and the walls got very the four walls got smaller and smaller, it felt like, because we yeah. wanted to deceive people. So, yeah, if you can only take one game to a desert island, it probably should be a cooperative game. Yeah. Because if you meet someone else, you're going to have a shared experience of, of something that's really great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but the, but that doesn't mean that individual wins aren't awesome. And, yes, it is yeah. a... It is a it's it, it's more of a rush, isn't it, to win yeah. a competitive game that you've practiced and you, you know you're getting your reward. Like it's like, oh man, I worked so hard at this game and I planned this out and had a little bit of luck and I then I capitalize on that luck and then I found the fifth treasure chest that gave me five x points. Like that is awesome. Yeah, but I think it also fades pretty quickly. Yeah, yep, I agree. But if you played Pandemic Season 1 and you got to September and you didn't know what was going on and you were with the group, you will remember September. I haven't and, gotten there um, yet. It's just, yeah, it's just marvelous. And yeah, and so yeah. there's those moments of remember that time. And yes, it is a, um, it's just, we're, I think we're social creatures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and while playing games against each other is socializing, it's not the same as achieving a common goal, which is what a cooperative game does. Yeah. I, and I, one of the highlights of board games, we've heard again and again in this podcast from guests and listeners, is the sense of community and being with others. That's why we're playing these games in the end, is because right. we are social creatures. So a cooperative game really highlights and brings that out in a special way, a shared yeah. narrative. I agree. I love that. And I love that sense that if you if you could have one game on a desert island with someone else, that would a cooperative game is is great. The, the competitive games are good for that short term individual rush, mm -hmm. but for for building that sense of community and lasting mm -hmm. that that lasts. Um, it, it, though it does remind me, I think it was Jane McGonigal that said this. I, 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 though I may I may be misremembering, but I think it's Jane McGonigal who said that. You know, there's a cooperative element even in competitive games in that we all agree ahead of time to the same set of rules, right? That we we, right. we all, and, and I love, I think maybe that helps me to see even something of the cooperative spirit in competitive games. You know, that, that it, it, we're, we're all agreeing to have, to work toward having this experience together. You know? Sure. And um, maybe that can put a little cooperative spin even on competitive games, but um yeah, I mean, there is it's something fun experience. about playing a really good game, and maybe you won, maybe you lost, but you can enjoy it together. So that's that's yeah. still, you know, even acknowledging the defeat is still cooperative. Now, when you lose all the time or yeah. you're not getting better at it, that's a different sort of experience that's less cooperative. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. right. You're like, I'm never going to play this game again. So. <laughs> well, and we've all had so that feeling. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, so, so yeah, Kevin, so go, ahead, go ahead. Games. Yeah, yeah. What are if are some of our listeners maybe aren't familiar with cooperative games? What are some cooperative games that, oh, that you would Pandemic recommend? Pandemic is the classic, and all of the legacy versions are great. But season one is just one of my great. I don't want to oversell it, but every everyone that loves board games should play season one at some point. It's That's just great. that foundational. But Gloomhaven, Frosthaven, Jaws the Line, I love those games because it's a puzzle at the end of the day how to win the scenario and you are working together, but then you can have your own goals as, or you will have your own goals and your own money and your own upgrades and characters. So I love how it blends just a little bit of individual goals, but you still have to work as a team. Arkham Horror, the card game, is great, and Cthulhu Death May Die. Mm. Uh, Cthulhu, Cthulhu Death May Die, is, it's kind of like a pandemic. You okay. have certain roles, okay. and you're really sharing information, and uh, it's fun. It's fun. And has fantastic minis, right? Like the, Fantastic like minis. Giant It's mini. kind of corny. It's like, you know... Yeah. You found another room of the, the little bits about the backstory. You find a group of cultists. Well, better get this wrapped up by dinner time. So it's very, <laughs> um, 
it's very Pulp Fiction tongue in cheek, and it's just fun. Uh, Ali Karar loves this game too. So, and so oh, cool. does Alex Radcliffe. So they both pray. I mean, it's just a great game. Oh, that's awesome! That's yeah. awesome. Cool. Well, I love I lo- love all uh, love that list. Thank you. I, I haven't played all those games, but the ones I've played: Jaws mm-hmm. of the Lion, Pandemic. I, um, I love I love as well. I just had a few other ones. Uh, to add if to the list yeah. of cooperative games you're looking what you, for. What are you thinking? Atlantis Rising. Um, I, I learned about that. this. You mentioned Z Garcia earlier. I learned about mm-hmm. this by watching one of his videos on Dice Tower. It's a cooperative game. You're trying to um, get um, the citizens of Atlantis off of the island before it sinks into the ocean and you're Sounds working like together. A good to idea. Do it. Yeah. And it's, it's really fun. And the board is such that um, you're flipping pieces of the board and you're, you're you're visually seeing the island sink as it goes on. You're seeing, oh, you're seeing the water overcome cool the island. Idea. It's really fun. It's really fun. Hmm. Um, just one. The game is called just one. Mm-hmm. That's one of the biggest, most popular hits in the groups I've ever been in, especially for non-gamers. It's a cooperative game. People just love it. Just one. Um, if you're looking for a great cooperative game, Gosh, for especially for non-gamers. Um, Okie dokie. Is is a fun cooperative card game. It's tricky. It's puzzly. Um, it's I think it's now called Level Ten. Uh, if you look okay. it up at Board Game Geek, but it's it, up until recently it's called Okie Dokie. Um, Similo, <laughs> a very very light cooperative game. We actually just played it last night in our church board game group. But it's a lot of fun. You're trying to figure out um, whether the secret card, like we play with animal cards, um, whether the animal, the secret animal card. Um, you're trying to figure it out by, based on similarities or differences to other animal cards. And uh. that's really fun. And then Seventh Continent, a game we've talked about many episodes ago, but that's a really, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. It's a big game, big table presence, uh, not necessarily easy to find, but um, if you're wanting kind of- It can be frustrating a, too. Like you can, Yeah, I've had to, I've had to basically look up how to, ch- you know, some of the answers because I couldn't figure yes. them out. And so I've never spent a lot of game. time and get stuck. So, yeah, yeah. You know, God bless walkthroughs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. That's cool. Wow. I got to so, check some of those out. Well, thanks. And what's coming up next episode, Kevin? Next episode in two weeks. In two weeks. I've had the nice opportunity at, at the wonderful opportunity at, at where I work and teach at Pfeiffer University to teach a class on board game theory. Um, nice. And so I'm going to report back on some of the things that we've done and what I've seen for this group of students. It's kind of a, a new territory. So, yeah, we're going to talk about some of the stuff I've tried to do and, and what seems to have worked with the students. I'm super excited to hear about this, Kevin. You, you've really been, the little bit you've been telling me about it, it just sounds like you've really been doing some cool stuff, and I'm, I'm eager to hear about your reflections. Right, right. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. It's been great. And, and listeners, it, we yeah. love you. You're the best, and we want to yeah. hear from you. So email us and Instagram, easiest ways to get us. What's our email address, Daniel? Our email is um, info at boardgamefaith.com info at boardgamefaith.com we actually have two working ones you can also do boardgamefaith at gmail.com but either one of those will will get to us um yeah and like kevin said you can find us on instagram board game and faith. yeah board game faith instagram we have a discord server you can find that in our link tree on instagram um we have a newsletter um that you can find a way to sign up for that in our link tree as well um so we're on Facebook as well um, that you can find it there too, but it is not as much traffic there, but our link tree is on Facebook too in our profile. Yeah. yeah. And thank you everybody. You're Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great week. Goodbye. Bye-bye.